This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. No one can boast about salvation because no one can say that they've earned it. We do not deserve the righteousness of God. We do not deserve God. We do not deserve eternal life with Christ. No one earned it. No one can boast about it because the work has been done through one man and God who's both man and God, fully God, fully man. His name is Jesus Christ. He did the work on the cross. As Paul lays out God's standard for righteousness, he uses the bleakest colors to communicate just how lost and deserving of judgment we are in God's sight. But we need that kind of clarity to truly understand just how unworthy we are of the free gift of our salvation. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will illuminate the reality of our standing before God. Have you put your trust in God's mercy? Make your eternal destiny a certainty today. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie as he continues his study in Romans. God sees the beginning from the end. God knows it all. And so we're talking about electing. You want to know who's elected? Well, if you accepted Jesus Christ, then you're elected. Very simple. You see, because there's a problem. You see, we, we look at this book here, and with the book of Romans, Paul's been saying all. All have sinned. All. It's available to Jews and Gentiles. It's concluding everyone. So the book of Romans puts that view to a close. Puts that view to a close. All have sinned. And the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ is to all, on all who believe. Here's what Peter writes, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, The hyper-Calvinistic person has a problem, I believe, with interpreting the simple word of all. All means all. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes, whoever, not the elected, not the chosen few, not the ones that predestined, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's for all. Also, the righteousness of God Paul tells us here, through faith in Jesus Christ is to all and on all. To all and on all. Psalms 132 verse 9. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness is a covering of righteousness. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, Galatians chapter 3 verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ has put on Christ. 
put on Christ. And so the righteousness of God is available to all and on all. Now, once again, Paul is making this clear. We went through this here in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. We saw that from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 3. Every Jew, Gentile, male or female, we're born sinners. We need to be born again. That's why Jesus says you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I love to share that verse with so many people that know about church, know about Christ, um, have some different backgrounds in Christianity, but do not understand the born again because there's been a movement, a born again movement that became very, very charismatic and started getting into unbiblical practices. And so people labeled all Christian, you know, Bible thumpers and fanatic Christians as born again but is a term and it's something that every Christian, regardless of denomination you are, it doesn't matter what denomination, you need to be born again. That's it, bottom line. You need to be born again. Jesus says you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, John chapter three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so we lost our case here in court. Every single one of us. Paul is going to get to the justification. Paul, the attorney, has proved the case that we are all sinners. But wait, here comes Jesus Christ. Jesus now walks into the courtroom, if you will, as the lamb that has been slain. We see his pierced hands, his feet's been pierced, the marking of the crown of thorns over his brow. He comes in gloriously as our advocate, and he's come to redeem us from the wrath of God. And just before the sentence going to be given to every sinner, the wrath of God to every man was about to be given. Jesus Christ comes in to free us from the penalty of sin, to declare us righteous before God because we put our faith in him. What I need to do to be saved, Paul, you tell me I'm a sinner, believe in Jesus Christ, and they, we all repent, and now we come to Jesus. And here comes our advocate walking into the courtroom. And I could put myself there, guilty. And here comes Jesus to represent me. And you could just hear the crowd in the courtroom saying, how can Eddie afford a big-time lawyer like this king, this prince? How can he afford this big-time? He is guilty. There is no way. And according to his guilt, he deserves the wrath of God. He deserves penalty. And he's bringing this big-time law. How can he afford such a lawyer? How? Simply believing. Simply believing. What did it cost you to get this prince, this king, to defend you. It cost me nothing. All I had to do was believe, but it cost him everything. It cost the father everything to give up his son. Who in this world will give up their child for the world? It cost me nothing, but it cost him everything. He left his throne. He left his glory to defend me and to save me from the wrath of God. It cost me nothing. My attorney fees was zero. Was zero. My advocate, Jesus Christ, asked of me simply just to believe. What is my bill? Just believe. And I'll take the penalty of sin. You know, 
one of the foundations of our legal system is that every criminal has a right to legal representation. It is quoted to everyone who is in police custody, and you know it's called the Miranda warnings, the Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to attorney. If you can't not afford one, here's the great thing. One would be appointed to you. And when I look at that compared to our legal system, one that's being arrested, you know, one would be given that, those rights. How can I pay for my sins? How can I pay for my sins? I cannot pay for my sins. I can't afford. It's impossible. How can I afford a great prince and a peace to defend me in court? All you have to do is believe. No man can pay, can pay for their crimes of sin against God. It's going to take more than me, my blood, our blood, the blood of the world. The blood of the lambs in the Old Testament only covered the sins and never took it away. But there's only one blood, and that is through Jesus Christ that can pay for my sins. And here he comes to my defense. Because of God's grace, we are justified. We are freed from the penalty of sin through redemption of his son, Jesus Christ. We need to understand the theological term, justification by faith. That's what you need to know. Every Christian needs to understand this. Every Christian needs to understand this, even to relate and share this with the world. How can one be right with God? It's not religion. It's not through Buddha. It's not through Muhammad. It's not through rules and regulations, not through religion. The only way is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, the life. No man can go to God but through him. Justification means being declared righteous as though we never sinned at all. And understand this, that we're not doing the justifying to ourselves. Justifying is something that God does, not something that we do. We're being justified. God is justifying us. Because once we interfere and try to justify ourselves, we're already messed it up. And, you know, we look at that because we look at the cross. And sometimes it's to say when we want to do more, we don't understand that it's the simplicity of just believing. We want to add rules and regulations. It's to say that Jesus, your work on the cross has not completed the work. It's not a satisfying sacrifice. Jesus said, it is finished. It's not for you to take it from here. It's not for you to add to it. It's not for you to do anything. Verse 25, whom God sent forth as a propitiation by his blood. The word propitiation is a word used as an act to appease Greek gods by sacrifice. It's an ancient word. The Greeks would have their gods. And their gods, they believe if there was thunder and there was tornadoes or a volcano would erupt, they believed that the God was angry. And in order to make an angry God, to appease him, to make him happy, the sacrifice cannot just be a sacrifice. It has to be a satisfying sacrifice. And so we look at the cross and we look at Jesus as the promised lamb who had died on the cross for us. He wasn't just a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was a satisfying sacrifice. God was well pleased with his son and his blood and his sacrifice. 
Even that, just the thought of knowing that God is satisfied with Jesus, oh, that is so refreshing and so at peace to know that not only he died for me, but that his life and his death on the cross is satisfying for all my sins. The blood of Christ pleased God the Father for the sins of man. And what was the price for salvation? His blood. Salvation is free. But it was not cheap at all. We're talking about the Son of God, God himself, the word that became flesh that died for us. You know, one thing I've noticed is that in this world, in life, when you do not work hard for something, you really don't appreciate it that much. When it's given to you free over and over again, it becomes useless. And that's the thought of man. And I've known that in ministry for a long time. I've done ministry in the poor areas in New York City, I've done ministry in other places, and, you know, we get spoiled. It's like a sense of entitlement. We deserve something. I read once where Oprah Winfrey did some kind of thing she had where she would build homes for low-income families. Build homes, just gave them new homes. All they have to do is maintain it. You know, every single one of them lost their homes. They don't know what it was to work for it. I'm not talking about the poor or anything. I'm just not knocking them down. I'm just saying that we do not appreciate it unless it was earned. Something given to you, I just give it away. Who cares? But if you worked hard for it, you saved, you had two jobs, three jobs, (laughs) and you really saved it, you know. And even then, you find that, hey, guess what? You know, the thing that you saved for, you always dreamed about, you took maybe months to save every penny, you finally got it. Oh, yeah, save all my money. You look at the magazine, that's the model I want. You save up, you save up, you buy it, you get it. After a while, guess where it ends up? In a yard sale. You look at everybody's yard sale. You look at what they have in their yard. You know when it was brand new what they had to do to get that. But it cost a lot. Salvation is free, but it was not cheap. Verse 25 whom God set forth a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins previously committed. God's forbearance, God's patience have passed over the sins of who? Those in the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints who trusted and believed in the promise to come. Read Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Faith. All the great men and women of faith are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And all as promised. And it says, who believed in the promise but weren't able to witness it. But they died with that hope. Knowing that it was going to take place. Whether in their lifetime or their grandchildren's lifetime. The promised one of the Messiah will come. And they believed. At the cross... Those sins no longer passed over. They were paid for. No one went to heaven before Jesus. So what happened to the believers before Christ, like Moses and Abraham and Gideon and David? You know, they could not go to heaven until Jesus made a way. 
God's forbearance, his patience. Verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is a just God and he judges righteously. But he not only is a just God, but he's also a justifier. In other words, he's just in punishing and he's merciful in pondering. There's not going to be 12 jurors when you stand before God. God doesn't need man's decision. There's not going to be 12 jurors and I don't know how many, four, five, six alternates. The one who's going to judge is God himself. He doesn't need help. He knows. He sees all things. He sees the heart. He knows the heart of man. He knows the mind of every individual. He knows what's inside of us. He's righteous. Verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. There's a law of faith, and that is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. No one can boast about salvation because no one can say that they've earned it. We do not deserve the righteousness of God. We do not deserve God. We do not deserve eternal Life with Christ. No one earned it. No one can boast about it. Because the work has been done through one man and God, who's both man and God, fully God, fully man. His name is Jesus Christ. He did the work on the cross. If anyone should boast, is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's the only one that could save us. We get to heaven, what is it going to say? That all will cast out crowns before the throne. Why? Because we've done nothing to earn it. We've given eternal life by simply believing. And then we're going to go to heaven? We don't deserve to be saved, number one. We don't deserve to go to heaven, number two. We don't deserve a crown. We deserve nothing. But when we get to heaven, we're going to cast out crowns. Because you know why? That's to say, Lord... We don't deserve to be here with you. It's not like we're throwing it because we don't need it. No, he gets the glory. Lord, I am here saved because of you. You've saved me. You made a way when there wasn't a way. You saved me from the wrath of God. You've given me eternal life. And now you prepare a beautiful place for me. And now you give me a crown and dress me up with a garment of pure white. And you sit me on thrones. I don't deserve it. We're going to cast our crowns. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I love the way God works. Even in the Old Testament, Gideon in Judges, and you know, we see how you know, the Lord said, Gideon, you're going to go against the Syrians. You know? uh, okay, Lord, let's go. Okay. There's like hundreds of thousands of these guys. And say, okay, go. we're going to go. Okay, but it's just too many. Lord, we're already downnumbered, you know? Three hundred is all you need. Lord, do you know math? (laughs) God's math is different. It's a Gideon, lest anyone should boast. But with 300 men, you're going to defeat thousands of men. How many can we feed with bread and fish, Jesus? You know, a couple of barleys of loaves and fish. Well, how are we going to do this? (laughs) That's all we need. And then after feeding 5,000 plus Uh, We come back with 12 baskets full. 
more than abundance. Faith in God. Verse 24, it says, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by what? Faith. Apart from what? The deeds of the law. Verse 29, or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, Gentiles also. He's the God of every man, woman, boy, or girl. He's the God of the Jews, and he's also the God of the Gentiles. There's only one God. If you're saying that it's only one God for one people, then you believe in other gods. There's only one God. And if it's only one God, that means he's a God for all. Verse 30 says, there is one God who would justify the circumcised by faith. So those who practice Judaism and, and want to go that, you're, you're justified by faith. And the uncircumcised through faith. Verse 31, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Having faith does not exclude the law. It establishes it. Because without the law, we can never know how sinful we truly are. When we look at the law, we find out that we are sinful. But it just proves how sinful we are and how holy God is. The law can only make me hopeless that I can take God's alternative plan and faith in Jesus Christ. Looking at the law, that's impossible. Even the 10 commandments, 613 commandments, but just the 10 is impossible. The first one is impossible. But God's alternative plan is faith through Jesus Christ. The law, what does it do? It's our tutor. It points to Jesus. It reveals Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 and 25, Paul says, therefore the law was our tutor. To bring us to Christ. It shows us where we were wrong. And it brings us to Christ that we might be justified through faith. Putting our faith in Christ. But after faith has come, we no longer are under the tutor. Under the law. You see, we need the law to show us how sinful we are. But then again, we don't need it because all we need is Jesus Christ. In verse 23, it says, For all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus says, for God so loved the world that whosoever, that's everyone, believes and not perish. To all who is guilty of sin, praise be to the Father, Father God, that we have his son, Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with this verse. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. I was guilty. I couldn't afford to pay for my sins, but Jesus paid it all. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. 
We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. You can also connect with us on social media, like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.